This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah, Canuck Central, is continuing. So, Canucks and Leafs tomorrow. After Pedersen's sophomore year and after everything we saw in the bubble, the way that he dominated the Vegas oh, yeah. Golden Knights, which some people magically forgot earlier this year. We had the discussion, and many around hockey during that offseason were like, where is Elias Pedersen among the top centermen in the league? Mm-hmm. And consensus was top 20. Some would have him as high as 15, maybe even a little bit lower than that. Pretty high praise for a guy coming out of his sophomore year. Now, last year, he got off to the slow start. Then he got the injury. This year, slow start again. And now he's kind of finding himself again. Do we see Elias Pettersson getting back into that conversation of top 20 centermen in the league and on a trajectory to maybe be one of the absolute top centermen in the National Hockey League. Well, it's it's uh, it's no secret that I've been one of the biggest uh, Pedersen boosters in this market ever since he came in uh, as a rookie. And, and it's the I've, Swedish connection. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, you know, I think very highly of him. I, I think that I think he still, just like Yannick said, has all the tools mm-hmm. and the mentality to become one of the best players in the game, like one of the absolute best players in the game. And I'm not going to waver from that. Now, what we saw earlier this year, obviously was shocking. We criticized it. We talked about it. We talked a lot about it. Um, But now that we're starting to see his game come back and the amount of growth you can still see in his game for the next three or four years, and once he really grows into his body still, what Mm -hmm. he can still become as a player over the next few years, I just think he's a guy that's so untapped. And when I look at a guy like Austin Matthews, hey, I I made the point, you know, two years ago, not Leafs fans, as I mentioned the other day, actually, because um, when Leafs were playing the Canucks in 2020, um, I, I mentioned saying if I had to choose two players, obviously the Leafs are better than the Canucks, but if I had to choose two players on both rosters, I'd take Pedersen and Hughes, even including Austin Matthews. Yeah. Now, Matthews has gone to a different level, right? And, you know, and Leafs fans are calling me out and all that sort of stuff, and it was all fine. We're having fun with it or whatever. And But the biggest difference I see with Matthews, obviously, he's a better goal scorer. But he's a he's a grown ass man. <laughs> if you've yeah. ever seen Austin, like he is he's he's a big boy, right? He's and large. He is very large. And once he took that next step, even got a bit. He was always pretty big, even when he was a bit younger. But now he's just an absolute behemoth out there, and he's really fast and he's really hard to stop. But he's really hit his physical maturity, and when he hits his physical maturity, he's next level. I think when Pedersen hits his physical maturity, there's going to be another level we're going to see. That's going to put everything we've seen so far yeah, into another category. Absolutely will. Because it may not even be that he goes out on, you know, as a leading scorer in the league, but what the impact he can have with his overall game, what did Yannick just say about Alexander Barkov? Alexander Barkov isn't the highest scorer on his team. Jonathan yep. Huberto has quite a few more points than uh, Alexander Barkov mm-hmm. does. But is there a question who the better player is? It's it's so true. Like, now I do think um, you know, when it comes to Barkov, Huberdo, I, I find it funny that look, I, I like Huberdo as a player, but 
uh, I, I would say, like, if I were voting for the heart uh, for one Florida Panther, I'm probably voting Barkov more than I am Huberdeau because of his defensive impact. Which is a fair argument. As well. That's a fair argument. The question is, should both both be in consideration? Right. I, I guess that's a better way of putting it, especially with the way that Florida has been so dominant this year. Pedersen, you know, you look at a lot of the numbers since the calendar turned over, a lot has changed for Pedersen. He is scoring more, um, still not at the level that you would like to see, but just take a look at the numbers from January 1st on. Elias Pedersen has 11 goals and 21 points in 19 games. That's 25th Mm. in the NHL in that time. Now, JT Miller is the only Canuck that has scored more than that, and he's actually the seventh best scorer in the league in that time frame. Been hot. But Pedersen, you look at a lot of the underlying metrics and a lot of the supporting numbers that suggest this is more than just a hot streak, and he's back to doing those things, Sad. Mm-hmm. He is controlling play, controlling the shots on the ice, controlling the sh- scoring chances. Like when the Canucks have Pedersen on the ice, they are f- basically 60% more likely to score the next goal. So you know, these are the types of things that Pedersen was doing earlier in his career that, for whatever reason, they'd gotten away from him. Mm-hmm earlier this year and he did a really good interview with Ian McIntyre at sportsnet.ca talking about the wrist and his struggles and finding his game again but look you need to see Pedersen doing it more and through at least the rest of the season to really have that confidence going into next year I think but also it's nice that he's playing with uh, as Bruce Boudreaux put it third liners in Hoaglander <laughs> yeah. and Garland but you know, he's not taking the most difficult matchup anymore either. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be a top centerman in the league, you've got to be taking those top defensive minutes as well. Your quality of competition always has to be among the best. That's where Matthews has really improved. Mm-hmm. That's where Crosby improved as his career went on. Yeah. You go on and down the list. Like, if you're going to be that guy – the quality of competition has to come into it. But as the Canucks tried to get Pedersen out of his slump, you know, he started to get some of the more easier matchups. I wonder when we start to see Pedersen get a little bit of a tougher schedule again. Well, I think it also comes down to where they start playing him, right. who they play him with. Right. I mean, Boudreaux himself says he's we've been playing him mostly with third liners. And look at his ice time. I mean, we keep saying, why not play Pedersen more? Why not start playing him, you know, 18, 19 minutes a game? Because you start going through his games, he's playing, you know, 16 minutes, 16, 17. You know, he gets to 19, but, you know, the last time we got to 19 was this past game against the Islanders. Right. Yeah. Outside of that, he's kind of been playing 17, 15 minutes a game. Yeah. So. When does he play those minutes as well? And who do you play him with to play those types of minutes? And right, and in, in Boudreaux mentioned, I mean, Matthews plays with Marner, and Pedersen's not playing with guys like Marner right yeah. now. And the thing with Austin Matthews, right, at this moment, he's on a different level. Like, he has surpassed Pedersen. There's no question about, about that. Honestly, the- Matthews is, for me, heart trophy this year. Like, I, 
It's him and Shesterkin and everybody else. And I don't know if I go to Shesterkin, uh, but because I don't know if you can't give it to a goalie if you don't play at least 60 games or 65 games. That's probably why I give it to Matthews. But like Shesterkin has been that good. Um, but you're like, you're, your point is, you know, salient. He, Matthews is next level. Like, I think he's even been more dominant than Connor McDavid this year for this season. Like goal scoring wise, he has been right. Yeah. And, and his defensive game has really taken a big step. You know, when he's on the ice, not a lot happens for the opposition. And it's a big reason the Leafs are where they are in the standings. They can't get a save right now, but like, like Matthews is that damn good. I know it sucks to hear it for a lot of Canucks fans, but he really is and is going to probably win the Hart Trophy this year if he mm-hmm. continues playing the way that he is. Yeah, and, you know, that's the thing. I mean, right now, Matthews is at a completely different level. And yeah. for Patterson to get to that level, he still has a lot of work to do. And as far as him playing more minutes, I want to see him play a lot more. But it's also a question of how ready is he for it because of his progression back and how much is Boudreaux kind of slow playing this still a little bit to your point, playing some easier matchups, let him kind of go through this, build up some confidence. Let's not get through this really Mm -hmm. quickly here. And once his game gets more prepared, then you kind of throw him up. And I think Patterson is back, but he's not, he still not, hasn't shown this, his ceiling yet of what he had the past couple years. He's getting closer to it because you can't, you don't go from being as bad as he was to at your ceiling right away. You gradually get up to that point. And he's so good that when he's at, like, say, 90% of his capability, he's putting up over a point per game against easier matchups. Yeah. But once it gets to 100%, then can he play tougher minutes? And can he excel in that same way that doing that? And then we'll know, okay, he's back. But is that because Boudreaux is still kind of seeing like he's coming out of it, but he's not, you know, sold this fully there yet? I do... Um... You know, I wonder what it looks like if Pedersen, Garland, and Hoaglander get a bit of a run here. You know, we know what Garland can do. He's been the team's most productive five-on-five player this season, at least from a rate perspective. That showed again last night. Garland was incredible last night against the New York Islanders. Mm-hmm. Hoaglander, we know he can be... Like, he scored at, what, a 40-point pace in his rookie year? You know, like, the offense is there for Nils Hoaglander. Um, Like, I do think that line can do a lot of damage, especially if, you know, you do have Bo and JT taking some of the harder minutes, and even the Mott line taking the harder minutes away from them. It's just... Any time the Canucks have tried to build a little bit of momentum with anything, they have one of those yeah. absolute stinkers, and Boudreaux's like, okay, back to the drawing board. <laughs> He's got to coach his butt off just to get them back <laughs> up again, right? I mean, it's it, it's constantly making adjustments, and that's the reality of a team that's not quite there yet either. You have to, you know, constantly make adjustments and get ahead of things and and you know, fine-tune and make sure you can squeeze every single ounce you can out of the group you have because you can't just kind of show up and say, okay, we'll be fine because we have this much excess talent and we're going to figure it out no matter what. And for Pedersen's game, though, once one other big question is ultimately long-term. We talked a lot about this. But long-term, what else does this team need? Because 
if you're not playing him with JT, and him and JT worked really well, and same with Besser, yeah. what does that say? What does that mean? And what do you need to see here long-term next to him? And how do you find those pieces? And that's going to be the big question because it's clear by Boudreaux about what he said and what the organization itself has said. We had we said this so much over the past few days, and we joked about this before the show. They've been telegraphing everything. They're telling us everything yep. they're going to do, essentially, or they're being very honest about what they're looking to do, not without you know, not with details. And a lot of that is kind of indicating the team's not good enough. And yep. they need a lot more talent, but also higher-end talent. Yep. So when we're talking about this team's trying to get draft picks or whatever, yeah, sure. But one th- what have I been saying for a long time, too? They're trying to get players that are good. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you're trying to go and trade for like 30-year-old guys or whatever. But if I'm hearing guys like Besser's name out there or JT Miller's name out there, and yes, you want futures and assets and all that sort of stuff in consideration. But like, how do you get a star player back? And who do, who do you have that's a star player long-term yeah. that's going to grow with this group? Jim Rutherford said it in his first news conference and his first interview with us at, like, we want to get younger. But he didn't mean, like, just straight-up prospects. He went into detail. Like, we want to get younger and guys that fit more within our timeline of where the rest of our young players are at. So that's, like, early 20s guys, you know? And now it's, like, all the insiders have come along, and they're like, that's exactly what the Canucks want. They want more players (laughs) than they do draft picks. And it's like, yeah, we've been talking about this since Canuck Central became a thing in early January uh, between us. So... Now that I'm thinking about it and thinking about what Boudreaux said today, like, hey, Austin Matthews has Mitch. Patterson's playing with mm-hmm. Hoaglander and Garland, guys that are more middle six types. Um, or as Boudreaux said, third liners. It's still <laughs> still kind of funny to hear a coach say that. But anyways, I don't want to get stuck on it. <laughs> uh, Sidney Crosby plays with Jake Gensel right now. You know, uh, Barkov has Huberto. Um you go through it like there's a lot of great duos in the league. Patrice Bergeron has Brad Marchand and David Pasternak sometimes. Um, like who's that guy for Elias Pettersson? All due respect to Hoaglander and Garland and even Pod Colson to a certain aspect. Well, at least those two are not there yet. Yeah. And I mean, Yannick mentioned he could potentially be a guy that can play with superstars and be really good, yeah. but he's not there yet. Can I he just get don't there? know if Hoaglander really has that kind of an offensive ceiling to be a, a first-line guy. The thing is, his shot has to get better. Yeah. Right? I mean, his shot has to improve, but his playmaking is really good. If yes. you're playing with somebody, let's say, for instance, he, he's playing with Pedersen and a finisher. Yeah. Could you not see him piling up Could he up be points? like a Zach Hyman type? Top line or, guy, yeah, and and perhaps with a bit more offensive flair to his yeah. game too. Great to get on the forecheck, win win those battles, get the puck into space. He could be a really good playmaker on a line to help dig pucks out at the same time too. So yeah. I think what Yannick kind of mentions is, and he can back check. So I think he can be a really nice piece if it all clicks together. Still, not every top line guy scores eighty points a year, exactly. But can you play with those guys, supplement yeah. them well, and still help out, and not just be a guy that that holds them back? So. As much as the uh, idea or, uh, and and you talked about it last week, you know, the thing the Canucks want the most is a top end young defenseman to add to this group. If they're going like, as they Mm -hmm. go through a bit of this transitional period, but like if they're trading one of Besser, Miller, Garland, yeah, they want a D man but they're probably going to want to be able to find a 
at least a forward with a lot of talent to add to Elias Pettersson. Right? Like I have to think that's on the wish list for Jim Rutherford as well. Like you can't yeah. just like trade all these forwards and then or trade one or two of these forwards for a team that can barely score this year and then be like, okay, we're just magically going to start scoring goals again after we've traded some of our most offensively talented players. Well, and that's where the JT Miller thing comes in, right? If you're trading JT, that leaves a massive hole all of a sudden that you have to replace, and you're not adding on top of it. And that doesn't mean it ultimately may not be the best choice anyways, but it shows you it creates a massive hole that you still have to fill in one way or another. So your additions have to look at that. So if you're moving JT, you're probably looking at overall just the biggest package you can get. Is that the best defenseman? Is it a big forward? You look to get the best one. The rest, you know, if you're, what is the priority you think? If you're looking at priority of asset, young defenseman or young forward? If you can get the young defenseman that you think is really got a high end upside, I mean that's always right. Very difficult to find more than the winger. So when we look at the bets they might make on the young forward, is that going to be kind of the guy that hasn't broken out yet? Yeah. Is that going to be the you know Rutherford swing? You know, we talk about the Marino deal on the back end. Is it going to be something like that? But but as a forward, will you trade for a guy and he just breaks out and becomes a star on your team in, in a sense? Because you're not going to be able to make blockbuster, you know, add blockbuster forward and a blockbuster defenseman together. One guy's going to have to be somebody that becomes that over time, right? That you project and really grows into that role. So if the priority is defenseman first, I think you're right. You look. You really look at that young stud defenseman in any way you can find him. A guy who's almost there or just starting out, and how do you find a way to do that? The forward, I think that's the one where you, you take a bunch of bets and see if one really clicks in. Like, for instance, Philip Zadina in Detroit. He's available all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying go and get him, and I've been a big Zadina fan, but that type of player that has a broken out but then goes somewhere else and does. And we've seen a lot of those guys over the years. Yeah, and hey, Benning took a lot of those bets, those shots uh, through the years didn't always work out, but um, it might be the route that the Canucks go. I just want to um, kind of point out that from one of our texters like who pointed uh, at the fact that I, I mentioned Jake Gensel as a top end forward. Did I did I miss the, the boat on that? Sad. Am I am I wrong to point out Jake Gensel as as a top top end no, I don't winger think, in this league? No, I don't think I mean, do you put him in the same tier as Austin Matthews? No. Right. So I mean I I would say I wouldn't put him in that number one tier. But he being the next tier, I think he is like one of the better. He's really good. I'm a big I'm a goal big Jake. scorers in the league. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Jake Gensel. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put him into that absolute elite level, like one of the. So is he in the same category? Like I said, so if, if one day we should do uh, tiers, NHL tiers. Yeah, and just kind of talk about who fits in what tier, because to me, like right now, like Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, you know, Alexander Barkov, those guys to me are just like. Yeah. You know, the oh, they, they are class of the class. Like Matthews is really, especially from a goal scoring perspective, like Matthews is absolutely in his own tier of like what he is as a goal scorer. Um, but okay. So he's not elite, elite, elite tier. Um, 
Neither is Huberto, though, as a goal scorer. Huberto as a playmaker is incredible, one of the better passers in the league, 100%, if not the best. But if I were to ask the listeners, uh, over the last three seasons, where would you say Jake Gensel is among top goal scorers in the NHL? <sighs> top 10, top 20? I'd say top 10, yeah. He's he's 20th in the 20th. league. 20th, okay. So over the last lower. three seasons. Okay. Which is really good. Yeah. It's really good. He's, I mean, he's a, he's a high-end goal scorer. He is, and it's hard to find guys that are goal scorers. And yeah, I, my, I, my point was, where is Pedersen's high-end goal scorer on the roster? It's if it's not going to be Besser. Well, that's the question. If it it's not going to be Besser, who's it going well, to be? They're not even playing it with Besser. Yeah. And, you know, we, we had this convo a lot about, you know, it, it, do you play him with Garland or Besser the rest of the season? We see the lotto line come back. And ahead of the deadline, because you haven't seen Garland and Pedersen play a ton, well, just the 230-some minutes before last night, let's really give that a run and get a yeah. look at it. See if that's something you feel can be a solution here long term. Um, if not, then let's see Besser again. Unless the team already made it made, has made up its mind one way or another. Emily Kaplan, I know, reported... Uh, today that the Canucks might be reluctant to give the type of contract Besser might be looking to get, and they might not want to go down that road potentially. So have they already made up their mind about Besser or Mm -hmm. not? Because naturally that's the guy, isn't it? Yeah. But if it's but with the reason we keep saying put Coles in and you know try Garland out is because we don't know the status of Besser long term with this organization. You pointed out the numbers like they've been ugly with Besser. Yeah. Like no, I mean, Patterson and Besser have not been good together. No, and so, in, yeah, in goals four over uh, nine per 60, they've been under 0.9, like 0.89. And goals against have been over two goals against. Now, their expected totals are better than their actual totals, but they were struggling so much, and you knew the confidence wasn't there. And when you play 230, 40 minutes together, and that your differentials are that bad in actuality, despite what the metrics yep. say, that means you're not doing things right. You, even if you're creating some chances in garbage time. Sometimes the score effects come in, yeah. right? Where later in the game, you're, getting, you're not playing well, you're creating a few chances, and it's like, oh, you guys played pretty, pretty well, but really, you didn't play all that well. But they haven't seen it with Boudreaux, Patterson. Yeah, they haven't seen it with Alvin. They haven't seen it with well, Rutherford. even just with Pedersen playing well again, right? But I mean, it's something the organization hasn't really explored, yeah. right? So unless unless one of one of I mean, multiple things can you know be going on, one thing could be they're actually not going to move Besser and they're not worried about it, and they'll see how it goes over the future, or they made up their mind. Uh, I'm loving these texts coming in on Jake Gensel just to close out this segment. Oh, we should. We know what. Uh, a good overrated underrated for Jake Gensel came in. We might have to save that yeah, one. We'll save that one for next Wednesday. Overrated really underrated good. every Wednesday on uh, on Canuck Central. Canuck Central. We'll save that one. Oh, um, I know which one you want to read. Gensel is like <laughs> Federico Chiesa, a really good winger who plays well but doesn't get enough credit. That's from Aaron. Aaron, that's the best text we've ever had on Canuck Central. <laughs> That's a terrific text. And I'm, I'm not even a Juve fan. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a crazy. I love Chiesa, man. Oh, man. He's... So good. He's going to be so missed in the World Cup qualifier coming up. Yeah. Injuries. Uh, all right. Enough of that. Josh is going to get mad. We're talking too much soccer on Canuck Central. <laughs> uh, Aaron texted in. It was a comparison to a Canuck player. Uh, hey. Josh, uh, don't get mad. It's ma- fine. Mailbag Friday. Anything goes. So if you uh, have some questions you want to get in, 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Gord Stellick is next on Canuck Central.
Canuck Central on a Mailbag Friday. Some big-time questions coming in on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Keep them coming. I know uh, we already have a ton of questions for Mailbag Friday, but uh, we'll make sure Producer Josh fits in a few more. 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited. Your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. Gord Stellick going to join us uh, in a few moments. This text, have you guys checked out the leader in goals? Scored. It's Dreisaitl, not Austin Matthews. Uh, Over the last three seasons, Austin Matthews has 112 goals. The next closest is 112. <laughs> it's quite the gap. And if you were to filter that uh, from, from Matthews to Dreisaitl, if you were to filter that to five on five, um, like Matthews is really in his yeah. own tier of goal scoring at five on five. It's nuts. I think that's what you were getting at, Reach, is that yeah. he might be the best natural goal scorer in the league right now. And, I mean, it's hard to uh, argue against it. Now, as far as Leon Dreisaitl is concerned, though, I mean – you you can have a debate who the better player is if you want long term or whatever, but I mean you're, you're talking about the the upper top tier of the league. These are these guys are all like Spider Man me pointing at each other, <laughs> grasping at straws. Uh, let's bring in our next guest. Uh, it is Gord Stalick of Sportsnet Five Nine to the Fan in Toronto. How's it going, Gordo? You know it's going great. I'm just thinking. You know Bruce Boudreau um, is from Toronto and now beloved in Vancouver. And is that the biggest one since, I don't know where Dan Riccio was born, but since he moved <laughs> from Toronto, it became the beloved in Vancouver? I don't know. I'm still fighting uh, fighting some of the people who will never get over the fact that uh, my uh, my birth certificate says Etobicoke. <laughs> it, it is starting to change a bit, though. He He's starting to win over uh, a lot of fans here. He, he is, he's well, part of Canuck Central. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like 42, 42nd anniversary of Miracle on Ice, and he's pulling off the miracle on the microphone. <laughs> So, uh, you know, you mentioned Bruce Boudreau. Um, He he was just on uh, Sports F5-9 to the fan in Toronto. He's been very honest about this Canucks team, Gord. It's it's kind of interesting to hear a coach, um, you know, kind of point out a lot of the flaws that his his team has. But I guess that's just Boudreau. It's just it's, it's also refreshing to see a coach be very honest about what his team actually is. Yeah, absolutely. I think. You know, and, and I don't dismiss things like, you know, you have to change with the times and you have to appreciate what, you know, analytics and other things may bring. But there's um, there's the uh, the regular, you know, kind of it test that coaches have about the, the, the whether it's the gut check, the heart, the intangibles. I mean, you see what Daryl Sutter has a lot of those in Calgary. You know, Bruce is obviously different than Daryl Sutter. But, you know, you, you mentioned a great word, honest, because that's what he demands from his players he really reads that quite well. Like I've talked to Bruce and man, when he talks about like, he really has that figured out and respects the honest players versus, you know, others that are, 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 are are selfish internally, externally exude being team people. And he'll be honest about his shortcomings as well. And uh, I think, I think that's refreshing. There's an element of simplicity to it. And I think that's what Vancouver needed. That's, that's his style as well, that he's not going to come in and just try to wow anybody Uh, just common sense. He can't believe he's, you know, he, 
he, he he loves coaching a Canadian-based NHL team. Like, you know, a lot of people, that kind of pressure. You know, it got to Paul Maurice eventually mm-hmm. in Winnipeg. You look at when Ron Wilson was in Toronto, for example. And Bruce, man, he loves it. He loves every day talking to you guys in the media and just – you know, he absolutely loves it. So he co- is coaching like it's, you know, thrill of a lifetime for him. And uh, it exudes to the players about, yeah, wow, we're in the NHL. This kicks butt. Well, and as far as the job he's done here in Vancouver, and when you look at you know his caliber of a coach, like what do you think of what he's done here and what he's been able to get out of this group? Well, you know, and first I'll say, I think Travis Green's going to coach somewhere again. I think, I think he's uh, a coach you know, that's going to go somewhere as well. It's just, they got in a rut where they had to make that kind of move. And probably Bruce was the perfect contrast. I mean, talking to John Garrett today, you know, he points out, uh, you look in Winnipeg and you look in Philadelphia, that they just moved an assistant coach up. Uh, you look what, you know, we'll, we'll have to find out what Marty St. Louis can do in, in the big picture, but certainly in the, in the short term, what he's done in Montreal is a breath of fresh air coming from the outside. And again, I go back to Daryl Sutter. It took a year for Daryl Sutter for it to happen. So I think that was a big part about it. I think right off the bat when, you know, little things like certain guys like Elias Patterson hadn't killed penalties and uh, he put Niels Holkangler the other day on the power play and just, you know, different, just, just different opportunities he gives that everyone, you know, kind of feels a part of it and that he's uh he, he um, appreciates that maybe people want to get some opportunities. And you know what? He's got that gut feel. I can remember Pat Burns had that, had that really good feel about, and, and they've always talked about Scotty Bowman, about how the game is going. And that's still a big part of coaching, about being able to read what's going on, what's working, what's not working, a gut feel to put, you know, Dan Riccio, for example, on a certain shift <laughs> and it works. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and Bruce really has that, and a lot of it through experience as a player and a coach, but that little bit of a sixth sense. Gord Stelic, our guest. Uh, now, Bruce did say, uh, you know, the Leafs are way better than us uh, when he was on uh, earlier today as as well on, on Sports at 590. But, um, again, honesty there. Leafs are an extremely talented team. Their record supports that. Feels like the Leafs uh, sometimes their own worst enemy, and uh, we know that's been kind of the narrative the last couple of years. Do you feel you feel they're still kind of fighting against that, Gord? Oh, oh, well, you know, and it's interesting the Vancouver situation now that because of the horrible start, there's an acceptance that if it does, the team doesn't make the playoffs, it's still a positive year because of the way things turned turns turned around. Where you know in Toronto, first, unfortunately. When I say unfortunate, I just wish they were closer playoff races. So mm-hmm. in the Atlantic Division, I mean, it really is a have or have not. And you know, you know what's happened out here is that you know, I mean, they haven't won a playoff round since 2004. And th- their worst efforts came last year against Montreal and the year before against Columbus, teams they really should have beat on paper. And so it's kind of like um, I use the analogy that you know you're in a relationship, and whoever it is, a he or a she that you know you're in a relationship with. Um, no matter what, always, always dumps you, right? Always dumps you. And then whatever reason you come back again, that this is going to be the time that no, really, really it's going to be worked. So you, you go in there with trepidation now, just waiting for the ax to fall. And, and that's what Leaf fans are right now. Like, um, you know, cause first of all, by the way, if they win around, you're kidding me. It'll be like Stanley cup. The bar is so low here that, you know, <laughs> that that'll make the season. But right now fans just say, Oh no, don't, don't tell me we don't have goaltending now. Like seriously, don't tell me, don't tell me this has gone off the rails as we head into the playoffs. So there, so, so there's, and Hey, it's, it's well-deserved because that's what this team has done. Incredibly let them down in the playoffs and then incredibly in that performance is the last two in particular. Well, and you know, when, when I'm looking at this Leafs team and the Canucks are playing them, you know, on Saturday and obviously they're the underdogs, but 
with the way the goaltending's been going, you kind of feel like, you know, the Sabres beat them. You got a chance against them. And what does that kind of say about what's going on between the pipes right now? Oh, man. Like, you know, you don't want to be there. I don't know. I hope, I don't think they are there yet, but, but you know, just uh, Jack Campbell, why he, he was the first goaltender picked the year of his draft. And he, he battled, you know, you know, mental issues and confidence issues to first become a solid backup in Los Angeles and then grab the number one job. And now he seems to be fighting that again. And Peter Mrazek, uh, the knock on him was uh, he's inconsistent and he gets injured. Guess what? They make a big commitment to him. He's inconsistent and he gets injured. So, uh, so far with the leap. So now you've got those worries. And that's why I know both Bruce and, and uh, Jim Rutherford talked about Particularly for Bruce, because in the his Washington Capital teams, man, they should have had way more success and and goaltending quite often let them down in the playoffs. So he knows firsthand, and that's why he's loving having a Thatcher Demko. And uh, with the Leafs now, you're stuck. I mean, you're stuck. You you gotta hope. You gotta hope your goaltending uh, gets there. Like Jack Campbell gets back to being somewhat like the Jack Campbell was earlier this year. Peter Morazic finds his way because you don't you don't want to go into a playoff with questionable goaltending. Uh, Campbell's been wild, you know, goes from Vesna candidate to just like can't make a save lately. It's uh, it's been such a crazy contrast. But, um, you know, the, the the rumors have been flying with the Leafs and connecting to to J.T. Miller. We can thank Elliot Friedman for that. Right. <laughs> Thanks. Elliot. Yeah. Gave us a week's worth of content, though. I'll give him that. <laughs> the, the one yeah. thing I will say, though, Gord, is like he Elliot mentioned he thinks J.T. Miller would be a great fit for the Leafs. You know, he's a. He's a surly, grumpy type forward who can play high end but also has some sandpaper to him. Canucks fans love him for that reason and probably don't want to trade him for that reason as well. But is that the kind of player the Leafs need, or do they need another defenseman? You know, Connor McDavid would be a great fit in Toronto too, hey, right? And uh, probably wow. a great fit in Vancouver. <laughs> uh, I, so, but and, and with all due respect, Elliot, we love Elliot. We love Elliot, and JT Miller would look great on any team. See, the Leafs did this last year with Nick Foligno, okay? They mm. went big, and it didn't pan out at all. And upon further review, like, I was for the trade. And um, then you look at it, and you go, you know what? You're starting to see a little bit of veteran erosion. He plays the game so hard, and so maybe what happened shouldn't be a total surprise, because look at this year. Like, mm-hmm. th- those are, you know, he's in his early 30s, and those are tough, hard years he played. So that, that card was played last year. So I just say that, you know, may they go for another depth D possibly, particularly with Jake Muzzin being up in the air, but they're going to go, they got to go to the playoff dance with these guys. Like it, it's up to Matthews, Marner, Tavares. They're the guys and they should be the guys that'll take them. Now the promised land is just the second round of the playoffs. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> right. they, they got to do it. There's, there's no excuse even with ordinary goaltending that these guys can't do it. Well, I mean, you got to get over that hump. I mean, as much as we joke about it here that the Canucks have won more playoff rounds in recent years than the Leafs, and you know, they're not a you know great hockey team because of what happened in that bubble that one year. But you know, you know, one of the things too with Vancouver that we're trying to you know figure out is Jim Rutherford, and you know, your experience having been an executive in the past, and I know you know Jim as well. Uh, what do you make of the staff he's put together here in Vancouver, and and what that says about him, and you know where they're trending as an organization? Well, I think guidance. as well, it's not just him; it's organ- organizationally that it's understood we need more diversity mm-hmm. uh, in the front offices at the end of the, at the end of the day his top two assistants are guys he's worked with for a long long time and he's in his 70s and that's not being dismissive of anybody else uh, I just think you know Jim Rutherford and in Vancouver and Jeff Gordon in Montreal weren't brought in to be presidents that go to the Kiwanis meeting and the Easter Seals meeting and all that I mean they're they're guys that did great jobs mm-hmm. with the respective teams and that's why I think too 
you know, you can talk about Kent Hughes in Montreal. There's no early on. There's no question. Jeff Gordon's imprint with what he did with the Rangers is going to be a lot what they want short term. Uh, getting getting things on track there or back on track. And and same with Jim Rutherford's loves it. He's he's a uh, he made smart trades like getting Trevor Daly and Ron Hainsey deadline type deals that were, were good solid depth D for Pittsburgh Penguin teams that won Stanley Cups. And and uh, I. Uh, and but but he loves pulling the trigger, and I, he is he is itchy to pull the trigger. He is itchy to put his imprint on this Vancouver Canuck team. How do you feel it is for players this time of year, Gord? Where they're just constantly hearing trade rumors because we've heard here in Vancouver that they're kind of getting tired of it. Uh, a new guy's getting traded every single day. Yeah, it's funny because Mike Johnson was talking about his rookie year with the Leafs. That the first trade, he didn't. The first trade line deadline came, and he, he mentioned, I forget the two players were almost Felix Potvin and then someone else. And they kind of, oh, thank God, I didn't get traded. And you know, particularly in Canadian-based cities like the J.T. Miller, you know, rumor taking fire. I always liked it when uh, the the deadline came and you shut the door and you said, okay, this is it, we're it, and there's no more trade talk at all. You know, till the Stanley Cup is presented, and it's kind of a nice way that okay shut the door we're in it all together and you know, let's see where we go from here because you're 100 percent right that um you know there's some that they're looking for a trade but generally that's the minority that that that's one thing but most they don't they don't want to be uh they don't want to be up the upheaval at this time of year yeah. so it it, it it is a weight on their shoulders well and you know as far as you know stuff that gets out there obviously you know organizations don't like it when players constantly get ripped or there's constantly trade rumors out there but we've heard stories too of, of former executives talk about how sometimes they would leak stuff or say stuff just to kind of get the attention of a player what's that line between accountability and, and keeping people on their toes and, and it going too far well it's funny that you know and it I mean, it used to work more when the newspapers kind of ruled. And now that you kind of mm-hmm. you can control your own media, it's different. But, you know, there would be you know, guys, guys would leak something to another city because they were interested in that player. Yeah. So, you know, they'd say, uh, you know, you, get, you talk to a St. Louis writer and you go, something about rumors are Gord Stellick could be traded to Toronto. And <laughs> meanwhile, there's been no talks, but we just like. And so there's, it's, it's funny. And you just kind of throw those trial balloons out there. Or, and then you, you, sometimes, you, particularly back then, you get an owner that gets excited and goes, hey, hey, what about? this and you're going well, i never really intended to do but now the owner's on my butt right so you know that that was a part of it agents are great at manipulating agents are great at trying to get their player in a better situation so um i wouldn't say it's a false rumor i guess i would say it's a false rumor that can be can be can be leaked out there that really came from nowhere but just really an agent looking for a better better place on behalf of his player I just, uh, you know, I think the one thing I'm missing that Bruce Boudreau has is a chance. Like, Bruce, there it is. We need something like, yeah. you know, reach, there it is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you got to, yeah. yeah, it's got to be organic, right? And I told Bruce, like, Bruce, enjoy it, love it. Like, at first, because he, he thought it took away from the team. And I go, yeah. you're kidding me. You know, you're, you're doing a weekly hit with me on, X, on Sirius XM Radio, whatever, and, and now you're back making seven figures in the NHL, and they're chanting your name, and they made up a song. You know, the, you know watch out where boo, there it is, okay? That can happen in about a year, right? So, so enjoy it now. Gord, you're the best. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow. Hey, great talking to you guys. Take care. Have a great weekend. Uh, there is uh, Gord Stellick. Oh, Bringing man. the stellectricity as always. Yeah, that is fantastic. But Reach, come on. Like I'm, I'm sitting here and like pumping your tires. But yeah, man, he's one of us. One of us. And he's like, where's my song? <laughs> <laughs> I need a song. What do you want from me? You know? I feel like I deserve a song. <laughs> I feel like I deserve a song. Overrated, underrated. Dan Riccio <laughs> coming up on Wednesday. <laughs> Because I think what Dan is saying here is very underrated. Yes. Yeah.
I'm I'm definitely underrated. Yes, you are. I would say I would agree. <laughs> so um, it it is uh, interesting to hear you know uh, the the Toronto perspective on the Leafs. It, it is similar, Sat. Like we've talked to and and had the post games and talked to listeners on the text mm-hmm. line. You know, there's this um, this feeling as the trade deadline approaches that the worst possible thing is going to happen. Yeah. For the Canucks, like Leaf fans and Leaf fan base think the same with their team. It's just like we're going to lose in the first round again. Like this is this is already happening. We're not going to get a save. We're going to play the Tampa Bay Lightning, and we're going to lose in the worst possible fashion. Somehow, some way, in seven games of the first round, it doesn't matter who we play. I mean, I, I saw Leafs fans saying, "You know what? It's not the worst thing in the world if the goalies keep sucking and they fall into a wild card spot somehow," <laughs> which which isn't going to happen. But like. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the fear because you're 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 staring down Tampa Bay yeah. or Florida. I mean, those are the two teams you're facing in the first round. There's no way around it. No. So, I mean, even if you feel like you have the best goal scorer in the world right now, do you feel good enough about beating one of those two teams? Not with the way their goaltending is right now. Right. I mean, how, how can you beat anybody when you can't get a save the way that uh, things are going? And I think that's probably the Canucks' uh, biggest hope. You know, it's not like, uh, yes, the Leafs dominated uh, the Canucks a couple of weeks ago, but uh, the Canucks had a smart game plan. They created some rebounds and got to those spots and were able to bang them home yeah. against Peter Morazic a couple of weeks ago. And I would imagine that's going to be the game plan again tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you can if you can get an early one against them and just make the Leafs kind of go, okay, here we go again, that you know that that's what that these are the margins here now, right? I yeah. mean, clearly, like Bruce said, there's another level. You see it by the points, and you know how much more explosive that Leafs team has been so far this season. But you go through ups and downs, and if all of a sudden you lose confidence, even if you're a good team, and if you're worried about your goaltending, it's gonna suck the life out of you. They lost to the Sabers, yeah, and they got outplayed by, by the, the Sabers. Sabers. It wasn't just like, hey, you know, in the third, it was a joke. I was watching that game, going, wow. <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah, you guys aren't bringing it tonight. Now, on the flip side, maybe motivated, but that's what I mean by the early goal. Make them go like, okay, here we go again. And if you do, well, you have an edge, especially if Demko's on top of his game. It, uh, I mean, they, they might come out tomorrow night, uh, shot out of a cannon, given how things went the other night against the Buffalo Sabres. The thing about it for the Canucks, though, is winning last night kind of takes the pressure off going into the Leaf game a little bit. You know, you're kind of looking at the road trip, yeah. looking at the week. It's like, okay, you know, we won Sunday and and we lost Monday. We'll take last night's win. And at least if we get out of this tough road trip, two and two, we can live with that. But we have to make the most of our seven-game homestand. Like, I imagine you know, the message is you, you can play free tomorrow night. You don't, you don't have – you don't have to take this. You, you you were able to salvage the two last night and keep yourself in the playoff conversation. I don't mean this to keep the bar low or anything, but you really don't want to get blown out. Yeah. What have we talked about, right? The maturity of the team. It's being able to be ready to start games. Hey, I can understand you're going to lose tomorrow. What I want to see is then be prepared off the jump and really be in the game. Yeah, that's what I want to see, right? And that's when you can, even if you lose playing like that, hey, you feel like, hey, we had a decent road trip. We gave Toronto everything we had on the last game. 
We come back, let's make hay on home ice. I don't think you want to come back being like, oh, you know, we want to bounce back from that last game, even though we went 500 or whatever. Or at least just have it in the back of your head that, oh, here we go again when things don't go our way early or we're not ready to go again. There are habits I want to see this team build out. And if you want to really, like we've been saying, they've done a great job getting to this point. But if you want to keep building on this, if you actually are going to make this interesting and make the postseason or at least get close to it, yeah, then you have to... Be more consistent off the start and not have any more of those. I mean, JT, JT Miller himself said, he says, we can't afford to have another one of those games the rest of the season. Yeah. They're backbreakers, man. And it's just, when this team was not very good, like, even for, like, okay, you can have and, and pick at the roster right now, but it's a lot better than it was, mm-hmm. say, two years ago. Yeah. Three, well, three years ago. Three years ago, yeah. Um, man, time flies uh, when you're living through a pandemic. Uh, yeah. What three... happened before? <laughs> oh, man. So three years ago or, you know, uh, earlier in Travis Green's tenure, we know what this team was and yeah. we know where they were. We know what to expect of them, but they never got cheated on their effort. Mm-hmm. You know, they never very rarely got outworked on a night. What was the uh, remember what the slogan was? Yeah. Relentless is in our nature. <laughs> yes. Relentless. I mean, that's what the, the whole word relentless was yes. what they wanted to build on. And they had it. I mean, we talk about that team and say, hey, they may not be great, but man, they bring it every night. Yep. And now they have a little bit more of a talented team, a younger team, and they're having a lot of these lackluster performances. And they've just, they've got to have a more consistent ability to be as Stan Smeal says, and I know it's the biggest cliche of maybe any hockey cliche right now or ever, hard to play against. But you just you don't want to make anything easy for any opponent. And this no. team does far too often. And you know what? Honestly, to me, hard to play against. Yeah, of course. Ideally, that's being fast and physical and intimidating and, and all those sort of things. But you know what's really tough to play against? Yeah. Somebody who's trying their ass off 100% of the time. That does not stop trying. Yeah. That's digging for every single puck. That is going in there, not giving you space. It's on your butt the entire time. It's like that's Rudy, annoying. You know? Exactly. That's annoying. Just to be play a against. pain in the ass all yeah. the time. Like every practice, you're bringing it 120. percent Exactly. Just Even if you it. know you're never going to play in a game ever, just bring it 100. Yeah. percent And if you do that, that's annoying. That that's hard to play against teams that are always prepared. And the Canucks haven't always had that lately, um, but they're trying to find that on a more consistent basis. Leafs and uh, Canucks tomorrow. Sat and I will be uh, on the pregame, 3 o'clock sharp tomorrow afternoon. Yeah. Don't miss it. Uh, 4 o'clock puck drop on uh, Hockey Night in Canada and here on Sportsnet 650. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw. The mailbag is next on Canucks Central.